the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. There's no amount of works or good deeds that we could ever do to even come close to atoning for our sins. Our motivation for forgiving others is the great forgiveness that God has given to each of us through Jesus Christ and that he continues to give to us each day, every time we sin, every time we fall short. We don't deserve God's forgiveness. We don't deserve it. Our sin that God forgave is infinitely greater than any sin someone might commit against us. If you and a friend argued over an issue, would you forgive them? Chances are you probably would. But what if a brother in Christ seriously wronged you? Would you still forgive them? When we encounter uncomfortable situations, sometimes it might feel like we'll never get over it. And while it hurts now, you should never get to a point where you can't forgive your neighbor. In today's message, Pastor Dan reminds you to forgive your brothers in Christ, just as Christ forgave you of your sins. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew chapter 18 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. So the fourth step in the process is the sinning brother or sister must be put out of the church. They're disfellowshipped. And really the sin they are disfellowshipped for is the hardness of heart toward God. They are consciously rebelling against God at this point. And so you put them out. And you put them out of the church for two reasons. It's done to turn them over to their sin in the hope that they will get sick of their sin, in the hope that they will miss the fellowship and the worship more than they love their rebellion and want to come back. It's also done to protect the congregation. To protect the congregation. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It's necessary to remove this person from the congregation so that his rebellion against God doesn't influence others in the congregation. And that spirit of rebellion begins to spread in the church, and you end up with a very rebellious, carnal church that is not willing to come under the authority of God's word. And then once that person is disfellowshipped, the congregation should have no contact with them until he repents or she repents. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 14, 2 Thessalonians 3, 14, Paul says, If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person so as not to associate with him, so that he will be put to shame. So you don't associate with them at all. They're completely cut off from fellowship. So this is the four-step process that Jesus prescribes 
for dealing with a sinning brother or sister in Christ. Now, there are special circumstances. There are special circumstances when you would not go through this four-step process. You would jump right to step number four and disfellowship someone without going through step one, step two, step three. You just go straight to step four. And that would be when someone is a potential danger to the fellowship, either spiritually or physically. Uh, We see an example of this with the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians, there was a man who was a member of the church who was openly involved in sexual immorality, and everyone in the congregation was aware of his sexual immorality, and everyone accepted it and actually celebrated his sin. And Paul wrote to the Corinthians, you are so proud of yourselves for accepting this guy with all of his open sin, but you should be mourning and sorrow and shame, and you should remove this man from your fellowship in the name of the Lord Jesus. You must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit, and so will the power of our Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed, and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Paul says with this guy, hey, forget steps one, two, and three, Go straight to step four, call a meeting today, throw the guy out of the church. And the reason is that man's presence in the church was leading the whole congregation into compromise and sin. And so put him out of the church as quickly as possible. And so sometimes for the health and protection of the congregation, uh, you disfellowship someone without going through this process. You go directly to step number four. You know, you do not pass go you know, kind of thing. You go straight to step number four. And so I thought we'd do that today. I'm just kidding. Boy, wouldn't that be something? Huh? You'd never forget this Sunday. But, you know, fortunately, over the years, uh, we haven't had to go through this process very many times, this four-step process. We have gone through the one-step process maybe two times in all of the years of the church, maybe three times. The Lord, by his grace, has protected our congregation through all the years. When you do go through this whole process of confronting someone about their sin, it's a very unpleasant process. No one really likes confrontation. No one really likes uncomfortable, difficult conversations. If you make it to step four in the process, you've got several people involved at this point. Two or three members of the congregation are involved, plus the leadership of the church is involved and burdened by the weight of this. And Jesus knows that it's not a pleasant experience to go through this. And so he says some very wonderfully comforting words here in verse 18. Assuredly, I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Wonderful verses there that Jesus says. Yes, it's unpleasant. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, it's difficult to go through this process of confronting a brother or sister in Christ about their sin. Yes, it would be easier just to ignore it and not say anything. 
but Jesus promises to be in the midst of those difficult conversations. He says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. When you go to have this conversation, this uncomfortable conversation, I'll be there with you. I'll be in the midst of that conversation. And he will honor you for honoring his word. When it's hard and uncomfortable to honor his word, he'll honor you for honoring his word. Now, Peter, Peter thinks about this whole process of forgiving and restoring someone who sins against you. And Peter begins to wonder, well, what is the limit of the forgiveness I should extend to someone? What's the ceiling on forgiveness? What if a brother keeps sinning against me again and again, or a sister keeps sinning against me again and again? How many times do I have to forgive them before I say, no mas, we're done with this, right? So verse 21 Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Now, according to the rabbis in those days, you were required to forgive someone three times. They had kind of their own three strikes, you're out rule. You forgave somebody to three times and after three times you weren't required to forgive them anymore. And this actually comes from Amos chapter one, if you're a note taker. And here, what Peter does is Peter doubles that number, and then adds one more to it. Should I forgive him up to seven times? And maybe Peter thought Jesus would be really, really impressed by his compassion. Wow, Peter, seven times. I wish I were half the man you are, Peter. But look at Jesus' answer. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Wow. Now, what does Jesus mean by 70 times seven? Does he mean 490 times? No, Peter, the upper limit of forgiveness is 490 times. And so when you forgive someone for the 489th time, you're right there, right? And you're like, come on, just send one more time. And then I can tell you what I really think about. I've been holding on to this for 489 times I've gone through this with you. I can't wait to tell you what I really think. That's not what Jesus means. Where else in the Bible do we see this 70 times 7? Well, we see this in Daniel chapter 9. With the 70 weeks of Daniel, the 77s of Daniel. Jesus is saying here, you keep forgiving until I return to establish my kingdom. You keep forgiving until I return to establish my kingdom. In other words, there's, there's no limit to the forgiveness we extend to others. How many times has Jesus forgiven you for your sins over the years, every time you failed? Certainly more than 70 times seven. And aren't you glad there's no limit to his forgiveness? Aren't you glad the Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you? And cleanse you. There's no limit to that. You can do this 490 times. And then after that you're done. There's no limit. It's every time we come to him. And we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. And cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. So now Jesus tells a parable here. Beginning in verse 23. In verse 23 he says. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king. Who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. 
And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, 10,000 talents is like an unimaginable sum of money. Uh, 10,000 was the largest number uh, in, in the Greek language at that time. So this is like an incomprehensible number. 10,000 talents. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app, or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. For some perspective, if you're a note-taker, all of the taxes that the Roman Empire collected in Israel and the surrounding regions, like Idumea and Moab and all those surrounding regions around Israel, all of the taxes the Roman Empire collected totaled 900 talents. And so this guy in the parable owes 10 times as much as all the taxes collected in that region. Uh, Some scholars estimate in today's dollars, this would be equal to $2.5 billion dollars. So this guy is in the hole for $2.5 billion. I wonder what his credit score was with that kind of debt. Verse 25 says, But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold, note this, be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had, and that payment be made. Now, in, in that time, if you got yourself into debt and you could not pay your debt, you and your family, your wife and your children, could be sold into slavery for seven years. And you became a slave, and your family became a slave to the person that you owed the debt to. Now, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7 says, the borrower is a slave to the lender. The borrower is a slave to the lender. As long as you have debt and you borrow money, you are enslaving yourself and your family by that debt. There is a reason why it is called MasterCard, right? (laughs) Listen, listen, pay off your debt, get out of debt, get a plan together and get out of debt and live within your means. Verse 26 says, the servant therefore fell down before him saying, master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. There is no way this guy is ever going to come close to paying off all this debt. It's just mathematically impossible. It's not like he's going to get a side hustle that pays two and a half billion dollars, right? Look what it says in verse 27. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released him. Released him of the debt. Released him from prison. Released him from his slavery. And forgave him the debt. Now, the servant did nothing to deserve this forgiveness of debt. This was solely the result of the king's compassion and mercy. You know what this is? This is a picture of your salvation and my salvation. 
We had a debt of sin that we could never, ever pay. It was impossible for us to remove our sin from our account and pay off that debt. But God had compassion on us and mercy on us and pity on us. And God, because of his great love for us, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die on the cross to pay the debt for our sin. And now we're forgiven of all of our sin. We did nothing to deserve the forgiveness of our sins. It's all by grace that we've been saved. Just like this man in this story. We were in a hole that we could never get ourselves out of. Not any way. Not any how. So this man is forgiven of his debt. Now look at verse 28. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him, not to pray for him. He grabbed hold of him. He took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe me. So after this servant was forgiven of his huge, unimaginable debt, he went and found a fellow servant who owed him some money. He didn't just bump into this guy while shopping at Aldi. He went and found the guy. He hunted him down. And he grabs the guy by the throat. And he said, pay me what you owe me. Now, this guy owed 100 denarii, which is about three months wages. Not pocket change, but definitely an amount of money that could be paid back. And so this guy now in verse 29, his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. This fellow servant said the exact same thing to this man that he said to the king. When the king had compassion on him and released him from his huge debt. But this guy would not, verse 30, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have uh, patience with him, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. How are you going to pay the debt in prison? So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. The king did not call him a wicked servant when he owed all that money. But now, now that he's unforgiving, he calls him a wicked servant. Verse 33. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him, notice, to the torturers until he should pay All that was due to him. Verse 35. So my heavenly father also will do to you. If each of you from his heart. Does not forgive his brother. His trespasses. That's a pretty heavy verse there isn't it. What do you think that means? I'm not really sure what that means. I'm not going to explain it away. And say to you. I don't think it means what you think it means. I think it means what it says. I don't know exactly how that's going to work, but I don't like what it says. I don't want to find out. This parable is about our willingness to forgive others who sin against us. And the reason we should forgive others is because Jesus Christ forgave us of all of our sin. Our sin was so great we could never do enough to be forgiven of it. There's no amount of works or good deeds that we could ever do to even come close to atoning for our sins. 
Our motivation for forgiving others is the great forgiveness that God has given to each of us through Jesus Christ and that he continues to give to us each day, every time we sin, every time we fall short. We don't deserve God's forgiveness. We don't deserve it. Our sin that God forgave is infinitely greater than any sin someone might commit against us. And our sin required the Son of God to die on the cross in our place to provide forgiveness for us. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. We should forgive others just as God forgave us through Jesus Christ. We didn't deserve his forgiveness. We did nothing to earn his forgiveness. But he provided forgiveness for us because he's so compassionate and gracious. Now, let me just say here, there is a difference between forgiving and trusting. I can forgive someone and not trust them because I know them. I can forgive someone and set boundaries in my relationship with that person for my own protection and for my own health. But look at verse 34 again. The man who was unforgiving was tortured in prison for the rest of his life. And let me just say to you, unforgiveness will torture you. And some people are tortured by unforgiveness for years and even decades. There are people that when when they hear that person's name decades later, immediately resentment fills their heart. And that is no way to go through life. Imprisoned and tortured by unforgiveness and bitterness. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to pray and ask God to give you a spirit of forgiveness for that person. Not because they deserve it. You didn't deserve forgiveness. Pray and ask God to give you a spirit of forgiveness for that person. Ask God to take away your unforgiveness and your bitterness and to give you a forgiving heart for them. So that you're not tortured. So that you're not imprisoned by it. Well, I tried praying back in 1996 and nothing happened. Keep praying. Keep asking God until he gives you a heart of forgiveness. For that person, for your good, to set you free so that you're no longer a victim to what they did to you. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the great salvation that you've provided us. We thank you for the forgiveness that you provided for us through your death and resurrection. Lord, we had a debt we could never pay. Lord, we didn't deserve your forgiveness. And you extended it to us even when we weren't worthy of it. We thank you for that. Lord, I, I pray for anybody here, Lord, that maybe just has resentment in their heart or bitterness in their heart for a wrong done to them. Lord, I pray that you would, you would give them a spirit of forgiveness in their heart today. Lord, that they would no longer go through life with bitterness or resentment, that they would no longer be tortured and imprisoned. 
with unforgiveness, Lord, that you would set them free. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Matthew, verse by verse and chapter by chapter. As you listen through this series, we encourage you to read on your own as well. There's so much to gain from spending time with God in His Word. You'd be amazed at what can be revealed to you in a personal way. Did you hear something today that struck a chord with you and you'd like to hear it again? No problem. All of the messages you hear on Ring of Truth can be found on our website. Go to calvaryec.com and search for these teachings under the Media tab. While you're there, you'll likely find and explore other series or teachings that sound interesting. Are you growing through this study in Matthew? We sure hope so. Another resource you might find useful is our podcast. You can subscribe to the Ring of Truth podcast as another way to stay connected to the teaching of Scripture. We'll notify you each time we upload a new episode. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. If you're interested in learning more about the church that supports this radio ministry, our website has all the information you need about Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Come join us this weekend for worship and Bible study. Once again, that's calvaryec.com. Thanks for listening to Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.